This is Opinionated. I don't really have a full understanding of it, but that won't stop me from having an opinion. That's why we're here. Join Features Editor Ben Schiller and reporters Anna Batakova and Danny Nelson. You know, crypto is no longer just about money. It's about culture now. It's like you're thumbing your nose at the process. Part of politics and part of sports and part of gaming. And it's not just the future of money anymore. As they push the conversation further with their own criticisms and reactions to the latest Bitcoin and crypto news from around the world. It believes crypto is bad and it wants it out. I'm even old enough to remember when Microsoft was a kind of cool company in Silicon Valley. Ben, you're old enough to remember when telegrams came over a wire under the sea. (laughs) And just a reminder... Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Hello, this is the Opinionated Podcast, and I am Ben Schiller, and this is another version of the show, and we have a very special guest today. But before we get to her, let's introduce the co-hosts here. That We have uh, Anna Bedakova dialing in from Tbilisi, Georgia. Hello, guys. Good morning, good afternoon. And Danny Nelson, who is dialing in from Philadelphia. I think so. I'm not quite sure. At least it was like that last night. <laughs> it was. When I went to bed, it was Philadelphia. I think I'm still there. Good, good, good. All right. So we're going to talk about the phenomenon that is play to earn and particularly the phenomenon that is Axie Infinity. And we have a special guest, as I said, which is Leah Cullen-Butler. She's a columnist with Coindesk and she's an astute observer of everything crypto, particularly play to earn. And she's been living in the Philippines and saw that phenomenon kind of from the ground. So we want to pick up on how that phenomenon happened, you know, where it is now and what the future is, because obviously there's been some problems with hacks and with spiraling prices and people are unsure about where play to earn is going in this kind of down market. Danny, any thoughts here? So Axie Infinity, this is the play to earn game that's taken crypto by storm in the last couple of years. It's notable because it gives players an opportunity to earn tokens by uh, executing rather simple gameplay actions online. I mean, that's really all there is to it. It had a big run-up in, I don't know exactly when when the big run-up was, but it had just as big of a downfall precipitated by a lot of different events, including the market sell-off and North Korea hacking its blockchain, a very notable event in crypto history. But that's Axie Infinity for you. That's journalism. I don't know when that happened, but it happened. It did happen. I'm sure it happened, and I'm pretty sure it was in the past. Sometime in the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in March, the hackers, which now we know are North Korean Lazarus Group, exploited the Ronin Bridge, which meaning the mechanism Ethereum sidechain that allows the assets to flow outside of the main chain uh, and to flow more quickly. They abused the validator model, basically compromised validators of the Ronin Bridge and managed to steal as much as $625 million worth of crypto on the price back then. So it was a pretty big hack. I, I think it was like one of the bigger hacks in history of crypto by today. I don't think it has been excelled by anyone, <laughs> any other hackers. So Leah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this podcast, so I'm stoked to be on it. <laughs> great, great, great. You were in AxiCon last week or in Barcelona. What was the vibe down there? Vibes are amazing. I really had no idea what to expect. And a lot of people said that it had like real gaming conference vibe. I couldn't tell you that because I've never been to a gaming conference before. But I can tell you it definitely did not feel like a crypto conference. (laughs) I can tell you that much. There was no pitching. There was no like dick measuring. It was just everyone having like an actual good time. Um, The setup was like super cool. 
They had an esports tournament going on, uh, which was really well attended. They had like a basketball court and table tennis tables where everyone was actually playing and having a great time. They had like uh, SLP cocktails. If you're not familiar, that Smooth Love Potion is the utility token of Axie Infinity. And they had like cocktails that were all themed based on the actual game. They had Axie nail art. Which was super cool because like people were actually like doing your nail art based on like what your individual NFT looks like on your nails. Cool. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And also like it was really easy to access the founders and like all the key people. Trung, who is the founder and CEO of Axie Infinity, he was there the whole time, like just walking the floor. So was Andy, their CTO. Jiho and Alex, of course, but like they're kind of more community facing, so you would expect that. Yeah, they were all there and kind of immersed in it, which was really nice and cool and kind of unexpected from my perspective, but uh, but nice. So it doesn't sound like a community that's sort of suffering too much from this downturn. So it was really interesting, actually. Like, I was excited to go to this because I discovered Axie Infinity in mid-2020. And like a lot of people kind of think that, oh, you know, you wrote the first Coindesk article about Axie, that's so OG. But in the actual sort of history or timeline of it, that was actually pretty late the company and the game was actually founded in 2018. And when I was there, like I was meeting all the proper OG community members, which was really cool because all these people are sort of pseudonyms. I didn't think that I would actually kind of get access to them or even if they would turn up. A lot of Web3 contributors, they prefer to keep a low profile. Some aren't doxxed at all. We don't even know who they are. Within five minutes, I'd met so many of the OGs. Like they were all there, all just being themselves. The coolest thing was I didn't even have to introduce myself because they all knew me from the Play to Earn documentary that we made in the Philippines. Yeah, That was really nice. <laughs> I wonder if people discussed at all the whole hack thing and the reimbursement that has been promised several months before. Yeah, the reimbursement has actually already happened. So everyone received their tokens back one-to-one. There was actually like an amazing talk from Chainalysis at the event, which covered what they're doing to kind of follow where the stolen funds have gone. That was pretty interesting to me because pre-getting interested in play to earn was kind of doing a lot in AML or anti-money laundering for crypto. They were demonstrating like they had this really cool presentation that showed the complexity and sophistication of the exploit. For anyone who's not familiar, we found out recently that it was Lazarus, which is the North Korean hackers that were responsible for the Ronin exploit. And they've actually used something like 12,000 individual wallets to move the funds around themselves and obscure those movements. So obviously, they've used things like Tornado Cash and other mixes as well, but they're also using their own wallet. The Ronin exploit is something that made global news headlines. And, you know, I think it's the largest crypto hack that's happened in history now. It's crazy to think that that happened because back when I started looking at like a cute digital pet game, I never imagined that it would experience the kind of growth that it did or have a target on its back that big to kind of attract Lazarus. But I guess my general thinking is that Lazarus was looking for opportunities. And if it wasn't Axie Infinity, it would have been something else. Talking about Tornado Cash, by the way, just kind of came to me that the Axie Infinity and the fact how big that game become, and also probably how kind of vulnerable to attacks cross-chain bridges are, which Axie yeah. used to not to congest Ethereum blockchain, kind of indirectly led to Tornado Cash being sanctioned because this yeah. was like the one most popular Ethereum mixer 
And no surprise that Lazarus, as anyone else, as any hackers, so just privacy-concerned users, used Tornado Cash. And then the US government tracked those funds to Tornado Cash, and bam, Tornado Cash is under sanctions. Well, by that logic, you could blame Ethereum, though, right? I mean, you could blame Ethereum, not Axie, for being so congested. It's kind of a funny chain of events that leads to the open source code being sanctioned. So Leah, talk about the kind of economic development sort of angle here, because that was kind of the claim that was made for this game. That it was more than just people sort of bumming around on the internet, you know, <laughs> swapping tokens. It was actually a kind of force for development in the Philippines during the lockdown when everyone was at home. They couldn't go out and get jobs or couldn't go to work. So they were on their phones and they, they were earning money with this game. I mean, do you think that claim was, was overhyped at the time? Do you think it's been discredited now or do you think it really has a future? Yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting journey. When I first heard about Play to Earn, Axie Infinity had less than 500 people playing the game daily across the world. So pretty small community, despite having been around for like two years. And I think in less than a year after, you know, it started to gain some media coverage and also um, after they launched the Ronin sidechain, which really helped kind of with congestion and cost that was associated with doing an on-chain game on Ethereum. I think they ballooned to like 3.5 million daily active users at one point. There's no way that I could have foreseen that growth. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anything else experiencing that kind of growth, like even in sort of Web2 world that I'm not an expert in that, but it was pretty phenomenal growth, like everyone turned heads. Since then, you know, the narrative has very much changed. Like I think one of the first things that we saw was that people didn't want to use the term play to earn anymore because we saw that like a lot of people were only playing the game to extract tokens. And all they were doing was that then naturally it was going to kind of put things out of whack and send the game off kilter. So Sky Mavis, who is the developer of Axie Infinity, they started using the term play and earn. And since then, I've seen like a lot of semantics in terms of how we describe NFT games, whether it's play and earn or play to own, free to own, like (laughs) everyone's kind of playing around with this terminology. I think the thing that we learned from it is that building a sustainable, healthy virtual economy is really hard particularly if you've got people who are just coming in and like spending a lot of time in game just to extract the tokens and for nothing else. I think the conversation has become like a lot more mature now since we've seen perhaps the downfalls of play to earn. And where do we go from here? At the time of Axie Mania though, like I do think it's interesting to note, we saw some seriously insane adoption stories. For example, like I started to notice that merchants and I'm like, nope, big merchants, like an e-commerce retailer or something, but like little shops, you know, like a baby clothes retailer or a dermatologist or a dentist or a car repair shop, they started accepting SLP as payment just on their own, using their own inside chain. And I just remembered like... In Philippines? Yeah. Yeah. There was like literally hundreds. Like I went searching on social media because Facebook's kind of like the internet of the Philippines. I remember when I first moved here, I couldn't find any websites for local shops, which was really weird, but then realized if you just look on Facebook, they're all there. So searching on Facebook and there was like hundreds, hundreds of these little retailers that were just accepting SLP as payment. And it made sense, right? Because it was like post-pandemic, you had this kind of new rich class that was earning an SLP. And rather than having to do all these hops, like through DEXs and then through a regulated sex exchange out to fiat to put food on the table or buy whatever it is that you want, you just pay an SLP. And these retailers that would accept it kind of 
put themselves at a competitive advantage. Like, to be honest, I'm not seeing that anymore because a lot of people aren't playing Axie anymore in the Philippines. I think there's like a core OG community who truly love the game and they're like in esports and fighting to be the top of leaderboards. But um, most of the people who are just looking at it as like nothing more than a form of income, they're not really playing anymore. But I remember that that was like the holy grail of every ICO project. It was like, people are going to use this as a payments token and they'll pay for it for everything because it has true utility. (laughs) That's what my lawyer told me to say. And, you know, I didn't really see any tokens like actually doing that, but we saw it in the Philippines with SLP. <laughs> That's real adoption. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All this kind of uh, goes around a point that I always wonder with Axie. Is this game actually fun to play? Oh, that's the question. Or just fun to earn? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's certainly fun to earn, right? We could call it that. But uh, play to earn, is it fun to play? I, I have to admit, I... I didn't attend AxiCon, and I've never played Axie Infinity, but I've seen gameplay videos, and it looks like a crappy version of Farmville, which, granted, (laughs) I used to love Farmville, and I used to always farm my poinsettias around Christmas and get lots of fake points that had no real value whatsoever. I could not exchange those points for anything, so it was more pointless. So I did like it. Maybe the same logic that made me like Farmville would apply to Axie Infinity, but RuneScape's a lot cooler. There are a lot of games with a lot more interesting and compelling graphics. So is this game, did you get a sense from being at this conference that there's more that's going into this game that's going to really make it a better, more engaging game and not just the earning aspect? Yeah, so I have so much to say on the topic of fun. Firstly, like, thanks for being really honest about the fact that you liked a game that you know some people say is uncool or isn't like a hardcore gamer game oh farville is not cool (laughs) just to say (laughs) but like lots of people like uncool games i mean like casual gaming is the biggest part of the gaming market farmville candy crush all these games people like that's not a real game actually you know what it was at coindesk consensus in texas 2022 there was a really cool panel that was moderated by bailey reutzel and she had this dude on there and he said to the, the audience, like, everyone put up your hand if you're a gamer. And I think like maybe a third of the audience put their hand up and he was like, oh, okay, well, all of you guys are hardcore gamers and the rest of you are liars because we're all gamers. Like we all love games and it's kind of like the gaming industry has sort of been like intimidating in some way. Like, if you're not, you know, a Call of Duty or World of Warcraft player, then somehow you can't call yourself a gamer, but we all love games. So I guess by that means, like, I think fun is subjective. And I know a lot of people who absolutely love Axie Infinity. I think there's a lot of people who started playing it purely because they just wanted to earn money from it and they weren't big fans of the game, but it doesn't mean in general that no one else likes it. There's two versions now. I hope I don't stuff this up because I'm not an expert on gameplay side of things, but V2 was like the old version which everyone was playing where they were earning SLP. You can still play that, but you can't earn SLP from it anymore. And there's a new version that they've launched, which is called Origins. Origins is kind of like the big play that like everyone's excited about. This is their new game. It's far more complex. They're doing a lot of work to rebalance the economy by introducing runes and charms. Basically, these are things that you can earn. It just gives you more reason to like spend tokens in the game. One final thing, you mentioned RuneScape. There's like these sort of interesting parts of the community that you can see that 
different people came from different games. Like I think most people who were early in Axie Infinity definitely were into CryptoKitties. But a lot of people in emerging economies who like were familiar with the idea of earning money in a game had come from old school RuneScape, particularly people in Venezuela. I just went there. Literally everyone I spoke to who was earning money out of play to earn games had played old school RuneScape specifically because it has lower quality graphics. So it loads easier when you've got like shitty internet. It's just also much better. (laughs) Yeah, they loved it. But, you know, this is like the kind of whole narrative of Web3, but they were talking about the frustration of spending anywhere between two to 12 months of building up a character in old school RuneScape and, you know, genuinely enjoying the game, but then trying to sell that essentially illegally based on the terms and conditions of the game and getting blocked, kind of losing all of that value that they'd put in. So when they heard about NFT games, it was like, oh my God, this is something that you know, I can play and they're not going to take that value away from me if I contribute it. And I think particularly, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Danny, but old school RuneScape, it really does take time to build a character. Oh, it does. Yeah. So like if someone just wants to play and just buy the character, should they not be allowed to? Like, For sure. I mean, I remember my original account on RuneScape, it got lost to the sands of time. And then I tried to play again <laughs> and I was, I had to go through Tutorial Island. And Tutorial Island takes 30 minutes and it's so annoying and the old wizard, you can't, there's no way around it. And if I could have just bought my way through, I I probably wouldn't have, honestly, because I was cheap. (laughs) But I'm sure some people would have. It's also worth noting for the listeners of this show that old school RuneScape is notable in the history of Bitcoin because I believe that people used, yes, they would do asset drops in the game and basically sell Bitcoin for the RuneScape gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you written about that? Yeah. Eric Wall, the blockchain expert of Arcane Research, a couple of years ago, he wrote a post, How to Buy Bitcoin Anonymously. And one of the ways he described to buy Bitcoin anonymously to first buy RuneScape gold using like accounts not connected to your actual identity, the whole scheme he described. And then after you go through the game, you, you earn some asset, you can sell them for Bitcoin, and then this Bitcoin will come to you completely anonymously. And, you know, this is interesting that anything turns into money, actually, when it's popular enough, right? Yeah, I feel like this is the biggest question right now in all of NFT games. And it's interesting because, like, all of these games have always had sort of virtual world economies, like things like World of Warcraft, EVE Online, you know, Second Life. They all have economies and people have also been trading illegally outside the economies. To me, like, the only difference with Web3 Gaming is it makes it legit to be able to trade those items should you wish. And I totally agree that there's like a problem here that it invites speculation, which can definitely throw the economy out of whack, like particularly if the token that they're speculating on can be minted through gameplay. And I think that's kind of where issues with Axie Infinity started to surface because there just weren't enough ways to be able to kind of spend that token in-game and, you know, not enough demand for spending it in-game as well. Like, people wanted to cash it out. With Axie Infinity, it's legit to trade your game money for the first time on outside the game. And would Axie Infinity be that popular if it hadn't had this speculative moment to it, this, like, crypto economy flare, this token craze around it? Yeah, I kind of feel like this is where the whole, like, crypto speculation meets gaming, meets NFTs, like there's a really interesting sort of intersection happening at the moment because you definitely have people who are just like speculating on the token, whether it was like scholars, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but basically people who 
rather than buying the NFTs, they rent them, play them in game, earn tokens, cash them out. That was a form of speculation. People were also speculating on AXS, which is Axie Infinity's government's token on Binance. Like when they saw all this hype about Axie Infinity, they were buying that up on Binance, which also affected the monetary levers that had to be pulled by Sky Mavis in the game to try and rebalance the economy. For example, you know, they could charge more AXS in order to breed more Axies. And, you know, they were sort of wildly experimenting with these monetary levers to try to rebalance the economy. But then there's the thing around like, I guess if you hang out in Web3 communities, everyone loves to talk about digital property ownership. And there really is like a class of gamers that totally get the selling proposition of this. So I think like there's this other class of people who really kind of understand the idea that there is value in being able to own your digital assets. And that's why people are kind of looking at games as such a good use case for blockchain as well, because gamers kind of get this idea of digital assets where the rest of the world is like, well, what? Why wouldn't I just right click and save? <laughs> you know, gamers are kind of having a more sophisticated <laughs> conversation about it. <laughs> I love your bro accent. It's very funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Coindesk is calling all visionaries in the digital economy to present at its newest event, Ideas. Ideas is the place for you to present your market opportunity in front of leading investors poised to help you get your idea off the ground. Apply to become a presenter at Ideas 2022 at Coindesk today. Visit coindesk.com slash ideas for more information. Just to clarify though, the game Axie Infinity is not on the blockchain, right? It's the assets that are on the blockchain, but the game itself does not run on the blockchain. Yeah, and it's on the Ronin sidechain, which they built. And like, honestly, at the moment, it's largely centralized. They made this decision and they're very upfront about the fact that they did that as a trade-off in the early stages to be able to kind of ensure that they'd be able to fuel scalability and ensure that the game was fun to play in terms of throughput for you know, a high level of microtransactions. And I've spoken to them about this, like their vision is to decentralize. And I think that's kind of like most decentralization projects. You can't be like fully decentralized on day one. But yeah, as they build out, they'll be more decentralized. Just fun fact. Also, you were talking about like Bitcoin and and RuneScape and stuff. I'm pretty sure that Vitalik says that his light bulb moment to build Ethereum was losing assets or World of Warcraft or something like that. I think it was World of Warcraft. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was that he was upset that the game makers banned a certain spell. Yeah. And he was like, wow, what if I could own the spell? And they couldn't take it away from me. And, and now he's super rich. <laughs> and then he created a hell of a spell. <laughs> Ethereum, one hell of a spell. <laughs> but actually what I meant is that the battles, like the in-game battles happen off-chain. I think the Sky Mavis said that. You know, like the action in the game happens off chain because if it was on the blockchain, it would be like so slow and clumsy. So it's kind of hybrid, like the assets are on the blockchain, but the game action itself happens on the centralized server. So everybody can actually have fun, not just make money. (laughs) I guess that makes sense, though. Like you don't really need other parts of the game to be on chain other than the asset transfer aspects of it. The permissioned like player unlock, I guess. Other than that, you really don't need to have a blockchain plugged in. Yeah, I think there's so many differing opinions on this as well. And it's like one of the most interesting things to see play out in terms of what it will look like. There's even um, Web3 games now that are using 
non-blockchain-based asset in the game. So rather than having everything a tradable asset, some of the items in game are like traditional Web2 resources or rewards that you can earn. They might be like points to kind of upgrade to a new level or something, but they're not tokenized. So you can't actually exchange them. That's really interesting, like kind of seeing the hybrid nature now in terms of like how people are experimenting from a whole range of different viewpoints, whether it's gameplay and making sure that it can actually keep up with the amount of users that want to play the game at one time and it doesn't become clunky and slow, like you were saying, whether it is kind of from the perspective of rebalancing the economy and still having like assets that people can earn versus what you can trade. We've kind of reviewed the whole saga of Axie and what we think about that. So where do we think this is going in the future? First of all, Axie itself and the whole sort of play-to-earn phenomenon, where would you expect it to end up in a couple of years' time? Okay, well... Not to put you on the spot like that, you know. <laughs> no, I prepared like a, a bunch of predictions. I'm happy to go through them, but it would be like really interesting just to hear what you guys think, like whether you think it's on par or whether it just sounds like way off. Well, we have a very spotty track record of predicting the future of the show. <laughs> in, in, when was it, early March, we predicted that Terra would continue to persist in a viable form a week before it all went to crap wow that was without me (laughs) (laughs) you if you were there anna and if you were there you would have kept us grounded yeah we we screwed up bad so yeah whatever it's like it's like jim cramer you want to invest in the jim cramer inverse etf because whatever jim cramer says to invest in on cnbc do the opposite action (laughs) whatever we say on opinionated to do you get your money and you do exactly the opposite and that is investment advice Um, the investment advice is don't listen to us anti-investment advice it's anti-investment advice (laughs) so i would with my completely uninformed opinion i would say that if faxi is able to make itself a viable vibrant game and re-emphasize that the token aspect is adjacent to and complementary to. And it seems like they're already moving to do that with play and earn instead of play to earn and annoying but subtle differences in wording. Then I guess it'll continue and maybe have a more sustainable level of growth. It's probably not healthy for a game to go from 500 to 3.5 million in a very short period of time because it just does it can't keep up with that type of growth. So if they get the gameplay part down, then I could see how this would persist. Yeah, so I guess my prediction is I don't think Axie Infinity is going anywhere. I think it has very, very strong backing. And I can talk a lot about like what they're building and gameplay, but I also think that we've seen time and time and time again, if you're a crypto project that has the funding and backing to be able to survive a crypto winter, then you kind of get that time to be able to build great things without the distraction of the hype. And if you can make it out the other side, they're often some of the most successful projects we've ever seen. So I think that Axie will survive this crypto winter. In the meantime, like they are really building very interesting things. Um, Like I already mentioned runes and charms, like that's just giving players more ways to spend tokens in game and rebalancing the economy. They've actually already seen success from that. So the burn rate of SLP, which is their utility token, it's already outpaced mint rate, which is kind of the major issue. So good on them. They've also seen, I think, like over a million downloads of Origins, which is that new version of the game already. So I think it's pretty early days. So I think that's a good sign. I guess from my perspective, you know, I'm still bullish on play to earn. Like that's what really attracted me to the idea of this in the first place. Like I thought blockchain was kind of still a technology looking for a use case. (laughs) I was writing about stuff like remittances and how can we make it cheaper and faster for Filipinos to send money home to their family. 
play to earn made me think maybe we should be working on a different problem. Like why should Filipinos have to leave their country and break up their families? Why can't they stay at home and earn a good income? Well, because if you're born in the rural Philippines, you have very little options available to you, but maybe Web3 could kind of redraw those geographic boundaries. So I'm still bullish on that, but I'm also like very cognizant of the fact that the rise and fall of Axie Infinity has shown that play to earn was not sustainable in its current form. I am very bullish on people who are working to try to correct that or at least, you know, come up with new versions of it. If not in play to earn, because I think like most of the gaming developers have very much switched to play and earn. Like it's almost like play to earn is a very offensive, bad word that I should not be saying and you have to bleep me out. Bleep. (laughs) Bleep. (laughs) Bleep. I find it kind of a bit ridiculous because now you've got X to earn. So you've got like move to earn and sing to earn and like, I don't know, all these other work to earn. No, not that. I'm just being facetious. Work to earn is the worst, right? (laughs) That's a full letter word. Yeah, I hate work to earn. No, we're we're going back to original principles here, Anna. Like, (laughs) 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 But, you know, it's just like we're back to X to earn. Like clearly it hit a nerve. To me, it's like a little bit like Maslow's hierarchy, right? People in developed Western economies with a bank account and a credit card and a good job and savings in the bank, it's very easy for them to go, oh, play to earn was never sustainable and like all these Filipinos ruined the game. It's like, well, you know, come and live in the Philippines for a bit and see how difficult life is. And the promise of being able to get a good income from Web3 is pretty exciting. The term for Filipinos that have to go overseas and work is OFW, Overseas Filipino Worker. And at the height of Aximania, Filipinos came up with a new word, which was MFW, Metaverse Filipino Worker. And, you know, that was really exciting for people because it was like, wow, like what if I could get, you know, even just a good enough job that isn't backbreaking and I don't get abused and I don't have to leave my country. To me, that was really exciting because also it means they're earning in their local country and spending in their local country, which is also good for the local economy. So I don't know, I'm, I'm still really bullish on that. And I hope that there are people around the world still looking at those options for people to be able to earn money. For a minute, it reminded me of the Get Ready Player One. What, what was the name of the... Yeah, yeah. About Ready Player Ready One. Player one. Yeah. Ready Player One, where people live miserable lives, like they literally living in containers, but then they buy their game gears and they live in this shiny world of a virtual game where they earn money, where they do cool stuff, where they ride cool cars and bicycles. But I just hope that for these people who made some good money on Metaverse, they don't you know, get stuck in this Metaverse world. They would be able to kind of transform this success into a better life in their physical life, which we can only hope. Totally. I totally agree. And this is like why... If I'm being honest, it's been really hard over the last year seeing all the negative media coming out about play to earn because it's something that I still think is a good idea. And yes, the original model failed, but I don't think that we should just pack up and leave and go, oh, you know, it's over. But if we didn't have that criticism, like, yeah, maybe we would just be recreating exactly the same structures in the metaverse that exist in, in the real world or, you know, the physical world that suppress people and enforce oppression like maybe it'll be even worse i mean unless people are actually kind of sharing the counter argument then yeah that is a really horrific path that we could go down so i definitely invite the criticisms well thanks very much for coming on the show leah and i think it's really interesting to hear your perspective on this as someone who's sort of seen the whole thing and i think it's a really good example of this phenomenon of the way in which people kind of want to do 
kind of maxi thinking. It's kind of all or nothing. It's either the kind of savior of the world axie or it's kind of, you know, nothing and, and a big hype scam. So I think you're showing here that there's something going on and there's something in between that. So uh, thanks for the measured kind of perspective here. Danny, any final thoughts here? I just woke up at 7.56 a.m. I woke up. I was like, crap, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to work to earn. How are you doing? Yeah, it was four, it's time to work. I woke up with four minutes to spare. So am I all right? Yes. Am I awake? No. <laughs> I think I did okay for being asleep. It all is just your delirious dream, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Anna? Yeah, I think actually, you know, the important lesson of that all is that whatever you're playing, the first thing is to enjoy the game, right? It's really interesting to see where X Infinity goes. Like, will we be still talking about it? Like, you know, half a year later, a year later, will it still be a thing? Or it will be replaced by something else? So it's really interesting to watch. Fantastic. So this has been the Opinionated Podcast. You've been listening to Danny Nelson and you've been listening to Anna Bedakova and you've been listening to the great Leah Callan-Butler who's speaking to us all the way from the Philippines. I'm Ben Schiller and thanks again for listening. See you all next week. Enjoy the Bye. games you're playing, whatever you're playing. <laughs> and now a teaser from Coindesk's newest podcast, Women Who Web 3, launching Wednesday, September 21st. Welcome to Coindesk's Women Who Web 3 podcast, your weekly podcast celebrating women supporting women, investing in women, and bridging the gender gap in wealth through Web 3. Each week, we'll be learning from powerful women, sharing their insights on topics like creating belonging and inclusivity in the digital spaces, the metaverse, building prosperous Web 3 projects, investing in cryptocurrencies and building wealth. And we have how-tos from founders and builders who have been there and done that, healing sessions to give you the power to overcome imposter syndrome and everything you need to level up in your crypto journey. At the end of each podcast, stick around for some zen with a relaxing meditation to center you after absorbing all the stories and the knowledge. I'm your host, Cams, and I'm on a mission to empower women across the globe to unlock the unlimited potential and earning power inside themselves through Web3. Whether you're just crypto curious or a crypto connoisseur, this podcast is for you. Let's get it. You've been listening to Opinionated with Ben Schiller, Anna Batakova, and Danny Nelson. This episode has been produced and edited by Eleanor Paul with announcements by Michelle Mousseau. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, Opinionated. Or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.